Um, all right, so I'm just gonna go ahead and so you got a plane flying over your house. Yep. I hear it. <laughs> You're gonna hear the gardeners are gonna show up. There's all gonna be kind of, we'll address it, don't worry. <laughs> Hey guys, episode two, The Thing with Two Heads. They're here, both heads. We weren't sure if that was going to be the name when we recorded the first episode. That's why we never brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sean Clark, and that's Christopher Nelson. Or are you this um, way? I don't know which way you are. Who knows? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, hello, everybody. Welcome to The Thing with Two Heads. I feel like now that I got the mic hooked up and the sound is better, I feel like I should use the radio voice. Hey, everybody, welcome to The Thing with Two Heads. Sean Clark, Christopher Nelson. Sean Clark hasn't had a carb in 10 years. Uh, he wears black <laughs> almost every day, and uh, he bench presses 500 pounds. Uh, anyway, that's just to my ego. <laughs> <laughs> yes, welcome to the show, everybody, and thank you. I just wanted to go and say thank you uh, so much for the people that did tune in and watch it last time um and listen and commented we got a lot of a lot of love and a lot of really nice comments i was really uh, uh pleasantly surprised by that so thank you all out there very much i know we may or may not have gotten some questions which we'll cover and address later or not but thank you guys for tuning in i hope you're watching more and i hope you keep tuning in we're going to try to do this a little more often i hope we got some guests and things i'll let sean jump into that kind of business but for now here we are thank you for coming and i'm going to try not to use that radio voice again i keep doing that it's been in the wax to the box <laughs> sunday 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 um, i was always a big fan of chuck uh, what was the guy who um he was the the voice of the dodgers the los angeles dodgers. oh, oh chick hearn oh, uh, yeah. i thought you were about old. to he say was... chuck woolery <clears throat> no chick hearn yeah <laughs> chuck woolery let's not go there he, he's suddenly <laughs> relevant again <laughs> i know <laughs> chick hearn steve garvey yeah. up to the plate steve garvey I used to and that's out of here. Steve Garvey. Anyway. Be back in two and two. Eben McGab. McGarb. Eben McGar. Sorry. McGarb. All right. I don't know anyway. if he's seen the episode yet. So we do have a guest today. I figured, you know, I thought about this quite a bit. And Chris and I went back and forth. And we thought, you know, we need somebody fun who would bring some energy to this yeah. dull and dreary show. And that is Mr. <laughs> Robert Russler. Robert Rustler. Robert the Hustler Rustler. You'll know him from films like Weird Science, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, Sometimes They Come Back, Vamp, Thrashing, Shag, Babylon 5, Blood Feast remake that came mm -hmm. out a couple years ago. So Ray anywho, Donovan, he was on Ray Donovan. Probably most well known for his various appearances on Horrors Hollow Grounds. Everybody, <laughs> that's 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 how he gets recognized the most. Sure. He's gonna be on in a little bit. We'll bring him on and uh, this will be our first time trying this out, you know, with a guest. Let's hope it doesn't go terribly bad. But, but you know, if it does, that's okay. It's entertainment. People like train wrecks. People love to watch that shit. So you know, Hey, so do you see my new shirt? I mean it's a new old shirt. But it's a new old shirt. That's a good shirt. Look, you ready for this? If you didn't know this, right now at Walmart, $7.88. Really? Walmart, $7.88. Yeah. 
Halloween wow. shirt. Go get there you yours go, now. everybody. Go get yours now at Walmart. So here's some of the questions. We didn't get that many. So I, I take that as a sign of that we did a good job that people are like, you're, you're keeping us informed, keep doing what you do. One of the first questions, is there any chance of Norman Reedus being a guest? I'd love to hear him talk about the making of cigarette burns and working with John Carpenter. I think we could probably have Norman on at some point. I wouldn't want to ask him this early on. I want to build the show up a little bit before I go for the likes of a Norman Reedus. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's definitely somebody I thought about. I have a Norman uh, Reedus story. Let's hear it. It's not really a Norman Reedus story. I've got it, it, many. It relates. Oh, I'm sure you do. Many. I'm sure you do. No, my only, <laughs> I my only relation is I auditioned for that role that he that, that he played in, in Walking Dead. I auditioned for that role. No twice. twice. A couple to two, three times. Wow. Yeah. I was too tall. <laughs> and probably a shitty actor. But uh, no, I did. I auditioned for it. I remember going in and I read at the time that that role uh, uh the script or, or that role wasn't really written they knew they were going to have that they created that character stuff so i went in and read a scene that uh, was a michael rooker scene um and see you know uh, but yeah i read for that i read for that role a couple times went in a couple two three times for that i read for walking dead a few times and didn't get it so obviously that shows you how great of an actor I am, but uh, yeah, that's that's my only story. Could you imagine? No. Could you imagine if I had gotten that role, how terrible it would have went? I they'd have probably killed me in like the second, third episode, and that. And how different never... my life would have been if you exactly. got that role. <laughs> You're so lucky. We're all luckier that Norman Reedus. I'm so got happy that role. you didn't get that role. <laughs> <laughs> also was asked about Daniel Harris as a guest definitely a possibility as well you know she's mm -hmm. a friend somebody said aim high how about finding rob botine for an episode oh god that would be amazing it would be amazing um i've never I, I tried you. to do that character uh, show or? yeah the character show that i did okay. i tried to do that it, I, I failed but uh, i got kind of close but not really oh my god kidney dream come true do, that. do you do you know rob or have you ever met him i i've met him couple times back in the day i know people that know him but even they're not really in touch i mean he's he's a pretty private guy and rightly so that's the probably the toughest one i've heard several people you know working on the various dvd and blu-ray projects that i have uh many people have tried to get him for various projects even of course like the thing blu-ray and mm -hmm. they had to use old archival interview footage because he just doesn't do anything anymore. He's pretty much off the grid. Mm -hmm. um, I only met the dude one time in my whole life, and that was at a Dick Smith tribute thing Fangoria did in 92, I think. And he showed up there, and I got a picture with him. That was about it. So mm. I don't That's know. That's pretty cool. Hey, one can dream. We can try. Can't hurt and try it, right? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I, 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 I wouldn't, wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah. Somebody said that we should do rankings on film franchises. He said he'd love to see us rank the Friday the Thirteenth films. Okay. Yeah, that's something we could do. We probably need to actually like think about. Is it that a is that a whole time. show? Because I could do that right now in about thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you really want to do a whole show about that? I mean, if you want to, let's do it. But... <laughs> I, I, uh, I know, not a whole show, but do you think you could really do that right now? Rank them right now? I'd have to. I'd have to think about it a little bit. Do you want to? You want to try to bang bang out a little real quick? Uh, what? Uh, Man. No, nah. see, see, you talk the big game, and then when you put on the spot, I could do it. You want to do it? <laughs> what, what, what one you like the best, and what is it best to worst? Or it's best to worst. Okay, don't uh, as long as I don't have to go backwards. You know those guys that go, let's switch it up and go worst to best, so they no. reveal their best one at the end. Like, yeah, I hate that shit. shit I hate that. What's your favorite Friday? I'm curious if it's the same as mine. It's probably not gonna be everybody gives me a hard time when i talk about this mm -hmm. my favorite one is part two that's mine is that's it mine yeah no shit yeah, absolutely sackhead jason man sackhead Sack jason pillow pillowcase jason's my favorite <laughs> yeah. he's my favorite i that one i was like that's that's jason that's 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 that's, that's a scary that one was scary man i mean I, yeah i mean you know sure it's derivative of you know town the dreaded sundown or whatever you know and all that but uh, um, but I just like the vibe and the feel and the look of it, you know. Um, it, it's ridiculous and mm -hmm. the characters are great and everything. So I'd say part two is my favorite. The scene and in part, part two that always gave me the, the chills the most mm -hmm. is that shot when he's driving down the road and you just see Jason dart across. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That freaked the shit out yeah. of me. <laughs> That's creepy and, the, and, and when... Um, when she's running through the woods towards the end, Amy Steele, right? Mm -hmm. She's yeah. running towards, she's running through the woods and he's behind her yeah. with the pickaxe. Um, that, that's really creepy to me too. But I yeah. do enjoy all the, like, cause like, I think we covered this on the last show. I enjoy watching people fall down. And in that movie, Jason falls down a lot. And it's really funny. But like, the poor guy in the wheelchair, he really falls down. He really falls down. <laughs> and that gag, I love that gag. That's one of my favorite gags in all the movies is that one. That one's yeah. so great. Um, I'd say I'd say number two is my first fave. My second fave is number one. Dude, my, so far we're on. Same my third, third fave is number four. Yes, yes, yeah. dude. So far we are nailing yeah. it. Oh one, my God, it's crazy. Two, then, one, four, and then three. Yep. For me. Yep. Yeah. Same here. Three, this is where and, we may go off the rails here. Is yeah. You get okay. past the obvious ones. I so think. then I would say my next one is after that, it gets like, uh, I don't know. I'd say six. Um, next. For me, yeah, probably. It would, I, I'm really because I'm thinking about that now as we're talking, and I was thinking six or five. I know people like yeah. hate five, yeah. but I, I, I like, like five. five. Yeah. I like five too. It's five, a toss up between six and five. I'd say six and then five, and then okay, I, I can stick with that. So so far we're on board here. We got two, one, four, three, six, five. Yeah. And then let's see. Then where would I go? And like, then it's gonna get blurry. <laughs> um, I think. Then from, I was like, eh, you know, meh. I, yeah. Well, I think from there I would have to go. Even though are it's we not counting? Good, are we we're counting, counting all of them, dude? If Jason's in it, we're counting all of them. Oh, okay, Jesus. All right. I think um, I would have to go seven Beeklers, and I'm giving that one probably only love because of the cool design because that is a cool jason design that beekler did right yeah um that'll probably be his legacy is is that jason look and it was kane's first appearance as jason and everything so mm -hmm. 
Um, I think I'd go seven there. Okay. Then definitely skip over eight. I can tell you right now, eight, I hate part eight. Which so one's eight? Eight's takes the... Manhattan. Oh, no. That, that one's, I would say that one is. I think it's the almost, worst one. Almost last, yeah. 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 So I would go seven, then I would probably go to probably Freddy versus Jason. Mm-hmm. Which um, I was hugely disappointed in. And then from there, I would probably go Jason X, just because it's fun. It's kind of a fun movie. <laughs> and it's, it's so ridiculous. Space. And it's he's in, in space. space. Yeah. Ah, he's in space. Ah. Yeah. Get it. And then, and then I'd go, then I'd probably go. Uh, it's really tough between the remake and Goes to Hell. I guess I'd probably go remake. Oh, uh, I'd go Goes to Hell. Yeah? Yeah, totally. I didn't like the remake at all. I didn't really either, but Goes to Hell is just a hidden ripoff. And, mm-hmm. um, eh. But I like the hidden a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, so I would go remake, then probably Goes to Hell, and then end with Manhattan. That's solid. I'm with you on that. There you go. Done. Ranked. See? There, that, that's it. You, a whole episode is going to be the Halloweens, though. That's going to be Yeah, that'll be a whole other thing. Somebody said, you were known for finding rare 80s names and getting them into conventions. Do you actually still seek out first-timers? Asking a cat, cat alert. <laughs> um, so I guess that's questions directed to me. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I occasionally still look for the weird, obscure client for a show um but you know the problem is uh <laughs> is what was the name again beaker beaker that's right not beakler beaker beaker yeah, yeah. Um, don't cut him out he's he's a, he's he's too cute to cut out of this thing but go ahead i was gonna i'm gonna cgi over him <laughs> <laughs> a spider head from the thing CG'd yeah no, that would be cat. cool crawling wouldn't that be cool that would be cool I got to make one of those so we can just have it walking around in the back. Oh, you should. You should. I still do. I still look for people. Um, But the problem is, you know, that's purely because I want to meet them. They don't make any money, sadly. Uh, I mean, it's just the fact. Every time I found one of those weird, obscure character actors from a horror film, they usually sit there all weekend going, you know, and sign my shit. That's about it. (laughs) <laughs> um there's a lot of bitterness and grudges and competition in the in the horror world there's beaker again hi beaker well, he just wants to be on tv i've just been noticing <laughs> that like i watch a lot of uh uh you know podcasts and and or, or you know video podcasts and stuff on youtube and things like that uh you know also to see what other people doing hear stuff and also learn what to do and what not to do and entering this world mm-hmm. um and I, there's so much I know there's an overwhelming competition, even though we're all, uh, you know, in the same group and family and we all love the same thing and we're all, you know, part of that misfit, whatever you want to call it. There's so much competition and animosity and, you know, just people wanting to butt heads all the time, which, uh, which I don't like. I think, you know, most of the time it's ridiculous. Like it's, it's, trivial stuff that means nothing and you're you're you're, you're just going what, what, what? we're all talking about the same thing and things that we love how do how how is it that we are able to people are able to turn it into something 
Other Dude, is that cat just doing laps, bro? He's doing laps. He's, he's, doing, laps. <laughs> he's doing laps. Look, he's going to get up. Yep. Because he likes to be with his dad. He's my buddy. He's my best friend. Yeah. And he's, he's like, I'm surprised he's not sitting on my lap right now. But look at him. He's glorious. Yep. He's checking glorious. out the phantom. Checking yeah. out the phantom, hanging out. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just going to go around a few times before he takes him. <laughs> That's, that's what I do, too, in the middle yeah. of the afternoon. I just do laps around the house and then take a nap. That's what I do. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Well, I'll no, you were saying about, yeah, the competition thing. Yeah, it's it, but it's like that in everything, in every business. Even I guess so. hot dog stand owners are, you know, pissed at each other. I mean, it's, you know, it is what it is. Well, it's funny. I was talking to Howard Berger. Was it Howard Berger? Speaking um, of hot dogs, you were talking to Burger. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Um, about makeup artists and, and you know the the state of what it's going to be like when we get back and back to work and things like that. But also the state before we this all happened was there's a younger group of makeup artists, uh, the the new generation of makeup artists that that kind of grew up on the or entered into it through the face off generation, which is, you know, that game, that competition show. Mm -hmm. And so now all these younger generation or new wave of makeup effects, people are all competition based. It's all when they're on set or in the trailer, it's a, it's all competition based. They want to be, have the best scene in the trailer. They want to have the best makeup. Everything is competition based. And there's nothing wrong with healthy competition, but wow, it's a little too malicious. You know, yeah. we're all artists on the same team working towards the same goal and should be working together. And that's how you learn more. That's how you be more successful, lifting other people up. You know, I could go on and on about that. I don't know why I went into that world, but I, I guess it's the competition thing. I guess it's a passion of, of horror fans and movie fans are so passionate. You know, yeah. and that's a good thing. That's yeah. a positive thing. Well, unfortunately, you know, that the more successful you are, the more backlash you get. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, sure. there's just so much pettiness out there. I mean, I, unfortunately, I was the victim of it this past week. Um, mm -hmm. uh, a couple old acquaintances took some shots at me and it was just, you know, and I, I, I went back and forth about should I or should not, should I not address it uh, on the show? And the more I thought you want about to. it, you, you can't help but want to do that because you're instinctively want to defend yourself. Yeah. And, but I mean, literally, dude, the, the accusations were so bonkers that they don't even, they don't even merit putting the time and energy in. I mean, they're just, I got so many messages from people that immediately were like, that dude's clearly cuckoo, you know? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. My uncle and my half brother both died from alcoholism. And I don't want to poke fun at anybody with problems, you know? Um, because if I started to systematically debunk the things that this person said, I know how I am. I'll make fun of it because they're mm -hmm. so crazy and I don't want to make fun of somebody that legitimately, I know legitimately has issues. So I'm just going to put it to bed. If anybody that knows any, anything of what I'm talking about has questions that really they're dying to know, did I do something crazy, ridiculous? 
you can ask me. I'm an open book. I'll talk about anything to anybody, anytime. I ain't got nothing to hide. That's one thing. I've always been a straight shooter. I've always told it like it is. I'm not a bullshitter. I'm not a liar. I'm an honest person. And I've always prided myself on my honesty. The shit that went on this past weekend, I'm not going to say who it's about or what it's about, but everybody that follows this little circle, this little horror community bubble we're in, they know what it's about. And if that doesn't say everything that needs to be said, what they did on their own to themselves, then, uh, you know, the proof's in the pudding, baby. And there was a big old Bill Cosby sized jug of pudding being eaten this weekend. Did you just bring up Bill Cosby? You got to take the high road. Yeah, here's the thing. I hated the Cosby the show. Ever, so like <laughs> I <grandma>. know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The Jello pudding. Um, <laughs> I never liked the Cosby show, but I can't. <laughs> I, I, he's he's got a small, soft spot in my heart for Fat Albert and the gang. I I, I I'm right. always gonna love him for. <laughs> you know, come on. Mush mouth. You can't go mush, wrong with mush mouth. Yeah, but. Anyway, but moving on. <laughs> moving on. I'm sure a lot of people watching this know you from your effects work, but not too many people know you as the actor as well. You played the groom in mm-hmm. Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, you know, you were uh, Uma Thurman's fiance. Yeah. And uh, I get people to this day, literally in the last couple of weeks or so, I've had people that I know or have gotten to know over the years go, I just watched Kill Bill too and had no idea that was you. I thought it was a guy that looked like you. I had no idea that was you. I was like, where have you been for the past decade or whatever? But (laughs) shows you how good of a friend you are. Yeah, I get people surprised at that. I took a little time, took a little break from makeup only because I got into makeup because of Lon Chaney and Mm -hmm. Lon Chaney was an actor. He was also an amazing makeup artist. And so I was like, I got to try it. I at least just got to try it. I mean, I had no illusions that, I was gonna, you know, make a career out of it. I just wanted to try it. So I studied and tried it, took a little break from makeup and tried it. And I got a few roles here and there. And it was great. It was fun. And thank God I stopped for everything. <laughs> <sake>. <laughs> well, you still pop up here and there. And and I don't, yeah. Only if asked. Halloween, David Gordon Green was like, Nelson, you gotta be, you gotta play this cop. Yeah. Um he goes, You you've acted before you gotta play this cop. I said, I don't I don't do that anymore. I don't want to, I don't. I don't want to do that anymore. It's like, come on, man, you got to do it. We'll carve your head into a pumpkin. I was like, okay. <laughs> so. You know what? It's funny because, you know, I knew you were in it, obviously. And when I went to see it, I was like, gee, I wonder how Chris is going to be. And I was, <laughs> I, I was pleasantly surprised. Thanks, I, no, I was really surprised how good you were. You're, you're really funny. I mean, that whole brownie scene, I was dying. The, the 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 longer version is better there's a yeah. there's a longer cut i think on the dvd of that an extended mm-hmm. scene and but that scene was all improvised mm-hmm. the whole thing was improvised there was no script all it said was cops are in the car talking about food or their lunch and i think david put in the banh mi sandwich line mm-hmm. you know it was in the script but after that he was like just riff just do whatever you want to do and he was like what do you want to have in your tupperware for lunch tell props what you want in your tupperware and then and then just go with that i was like okay so i told him to put chocolate pudding and a chocolate brownie <laughs> and that's what that ended up being what it is but uh but it was fun i love doing that we got was, back to the chocolate pudding came full circle see bill cosby's everywhere <laughs> he's everywhere jesus he's I'm, he's not touching it. I'm not touching it you won't know if he did. 
Oh. Did you like that pudding, Nelson? Boom. Well, you know, one thing that's kind of interesting that I was surprised that you told me that I don't think too many Halloween fans know mm-hmm. is that you actually played Myers in two quick scenes. I did. Yeah, yeah I got to be chubby Michael Myers. Um, thank God you didn't see my body because I look like a <laughs> sack of potatoes in that thing. He's just so doughy. It's just so, oh, so doughy. Uh, uh, but yeah, it was great. And I always joked that I looked at in the Myers jumpsuit and the mask, which didn't fit either because my head's enormous. So the mask was all squished out and the jumpsuit, my gut and everything's hanging out. And I, I was always joked that they would play the Halloween theme through a tuba. Anytime I was on screen, they should burp, 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 you know, that but <laughs> it was funny. But yeah, I got to play him uh, uh, when he gets his hand blown off. Um, that's my hand that through the door, uh, my hands through the door, grabbing uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, and and uh, we did a whole prosthetic rig on my hand. That well, that's my that's me. Um, get my hand blown off, and then one other scene where she's I don't think it made it into the movie. I can't remember um, where she's sitting in the car. Jamie Lee Curtis sitting in the car drinking as he's getting transferred, and she's having a nightmare, and the the figure of of Michael Myers is kind of out of focus. You weren't even wearing the jumpsuit. Weren't you just kind of like a floating head, kind of black, wearing all black yeah, or something? Yeah, in the second scene, yeah. Yeah. The other one. yeah. yeah. But and you they, did yeah. wear the mask when you put your arm through, right? Was, yeah. Because oh, yeah. you can kind of see him through the, the little thing. Yeah, yeah. I wore the mask and the jumpsuit and the whole thing and had the prosthetic with the rig. And Kevin Wozner, who was my key on that one, you know, pulled the, did the rig that blows my fingers off and stuff. It was so much fun. That was a fun time. Uh, and uh, yeah, in the other scene, I had the mask on, but I was wrapped in black duvetine. So it was just kind of like you said, a floating head with, you know, blackness around them. So, so I got to play Michael Myers. It was very exciting. What are your pet okay. peeves? Oh God, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, there's, there's too many to pet peeves. I'll tell you my number one, first thing that pops to mind. A, number one pet peeves is packaging of any kind. How we package things, like opening. Wow, things. you're deep. You're going deep. Is that deep? I don't I, I That shit drives me, it drives me bonkers. I don't know why. Boxes, how stuff, like how we ship stuff, boxes inside of boxes that are uh-huh. taped, um, any kind of styrofoam within a box in peanut form or block form drives me mad. You're trying to open a dishwashing detergent. It drives me mad, like the packaging. And the worst packaging is Trader Joe's packaging. I don't know why, but it's it never works. You know how they always have that tab that, that, that there's a tab and it's perforated and you grab it and the little tab comes off, but the perforation doesn't. So then you gotta get into it like you're a freaking werewolf and yeah. tear it all apart. Like packaging is a big, big one of mine. Also, dishwasher loading. I'm a freak about dishwasher loading. Uh, 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 efficient <laughs> dish, dishwasher loading. In order to get clean dishes and also to pack as much in there so you don't have to run as much. You know what I'm saying? So that's a, that's a thing. Obviously, movies, talking in movies, oh, or phones in movies. That's, or, that's mine. I went on a whole me. rant on, I made a whole video about i went to beyond fest two weeks ago and through it was text chainsaw massacre and evil dead and at the, the drive-in right? at the drive-in yeah yeah and 
I grew up in the drive-ins, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. Mm -hmm. If you drove through the drive-in with your headlights on, people practically lynched you. You had to have your parking lights. I don't think today people even know what parking lights are or for. I think they were because of drive-ins. Um, <laughs> seriously. Uh, yeah. But dude, people were honking and flashing their headlights at every fucking scene that happened. Like, oh, oh. Leatherface is about to pop out. Honk, 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 lights. The lights are washing out the picture. <laughs> I'm like, if this is the first time I saw this movie, I'd be, I mean, I, I've seen it a thousand times and I was pissed. But if right. you, imagine somebody who's never seen it. Oh, God. It that, drove yeah, me nuts. But, I, yeah. yeah, it drove me so nuts. I wrote to the Beyond Fest guys. I posted about it and they finally put up a thing saying, oh, good. Yeah. That oh, there you go. To not do it during the yeah. film, that you could yeah. do it during the trailers or at the opening or the beginning, but yeah. not during the picture. Yeah. I was like, thank I, you. Yeah, I went I went to the movies once <clears throat> and there was maybe three people in the theater. Mm -hmm. It was in the afternoon, I think it was once. I think I was on location. I can't remember. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the movie. Movie's just starting. It's just getting into the movie. I can't remember what movie it was because I, uh, you'll know why. And the, and a phone rings in the, in the theater. Oh. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I look over and there's a guy about 10 seats down from me picks up his phone and just starts talking. Hey, no, no, I'm at lunch right now. Bleep, 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 bleep. I'm like, uh, and I'm looking at him and he goes, oh, I'll call you back. He hangs up and I'm giving him the, you know, the same guy. Yeah. I'm giving him the stare. And I'm like, oh, took me out of the movie. So I'm sitting there another couple minutes go by rings again. Guy picks it up, starts talking again. And he's go and he's talking, talking, talking. And I look at him and I go, excuse me, trying to watch a movie. Like I was trying to be nice. Yeah. I was getting angry. Yeah. And he and he looks at me, acknowledges me, and keeps talking. So I'm like, move, go, you just go. And he hung up the phone and I'm staring at him, staring at him. Now by now I'm checked out of the movie, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. even know what's going on. Phone rings again, picks it up, starts talking so loud, and I just saw red. And I go, I looked at him and I go, hey man go outside if you're going to be on your phone. I go, go outside. People are trying to watch a movie. He just looked at me and rolled his eyes and kept talking. Oh, I, I got, I saw red. I got up, I walked over to him. I grabbed the phone out of his hand and threw it <laughs> into the exit door and it clanged around. And that guy looked at me like I was death on, on feet, man. He just, his eyes got, he was like, <sighs> and he just was like, and I go, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so he went and got his phone and walked out. Dude, that, that is the, beautiful. That was the end of that. So I tried to watch the movie for the next, I think, 10 minutes or something. I was so angry yeah. and checked out. I just oh. got up and I ended up leaving. Well, that's what's happened to me. I've gotten so furious, fuming these people sitting there on their phone that like, you know, even if they have it down their lap, you know, there's a fucking light shining up at you. You, you yeah. see it. You see it no matter where it is in the theater. It drives me nuts. Oh. And I'll, I'll be like, put your phone away. They'll do this because they then they'll be like, they'll put it down. And it's like, <laughs> it's still, I still fucking see it. At one time I was so angry. I'm like, that must be a real fucking important text. You know, and I was like, you know, I was, I was getting, I almost got in a fist fight with some kids once. I mean, here I am, you know, at the time I was probably late thirties, early forties going to beat up some teenagers. <laughs> but I was so pissed. Why not? They probably have it coming. 
Well, that's the thing. It's like, who goes to the film, especially nowadays, as expensive as the movies are, who goes to the yeah. movies to just sit there on your phone? Jesus yeah, Christ. That's why I, I only go to like the very first show, a matinee during a school day. I'll go right. at like the 10 a.m. showing, even if I'm the right. only person in the theater. But it's right. gotten to the point where I fucking hate the movies now. I hate going. He started going to the Alamo in oh, downtown yeah. L.A., which is they're amazing. hardcore about it. They're hardcore. They yeah. have that thing at the beginning of the movie, the slide yeah. that says, you get one warning and then you're out. Yeah. About Every the theater should have that. How hard is it that? It really should. Well, Arclight used to be pretty good about that, but then they, they just started, you know, they got really lax with it. But, but Alamo is pretty hardcore about it. I love the Alamo drive. Yeah. So no. great. Yeah, they're great. No, I, I love that whole policy. Yeah, I got really pissed about at the Beyond Fest thing. I was so bummed. And then I had tickets for Big Trouble in Little China and Enter the Dragon last Thursday. And I didn't even go. I, I, mm. I ended up not going. But then mm. I heard that they instituted this policy. And now this Thursday, they're doing a double feature of Lost Boys and Fright Night. Yeah, so, I was going to go to that. Are you going? Yeah. Oh, I was and May... Go nay has never been to a drive-in so oh, wow it's going to be her first time so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that i was gonna go and then when i decided yeah then it was sold out but we're going to see beetlejuice at the rose bowl drive-in on sunday well that's cool i actually broke out the manual to my car because i'm trying to figure out how to <laughs> the lights off in the newer cars at least in mine mm -hmm. if you turn the engine off it'll only stay, the electronics only stay on for like five minutes and the whole thing shuts down. There's no like auxiliary, uh, was it called uh, auxiliary? Auxiliary, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't have huh. that anymore. Huh. So I'm like, am I gonna have to start my car like every five minutes? And, and when I do, will my lights come on? You know, oh, it's, sucks. Yeah. I gotta figure something out. So I'm, mm. I've got the manual. See, this is what people do when they have courtesy for other people that's right i yeah. monopolized the pet peeve conversation oh but yeah I got, but i got one more oh here we go this people driving doing this thinking this is hands-free like i look over and someone's about to cut you off and they're doing yeah. this this isn't hands-free yeah it drives me mad i, I yeah. people on phones and cars drives me mad while driving drives me insane. yeah i i agree I'm guilty of it from time to time, but oh. I do my best to not do it. Um, you know, I'll hand the phone to Nay and say, could you text him back for me and tell him blah, 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 you know? Um, but, uh, but I also kind of give myself a slight pass because I'm a drummer and I, I can do many things at once. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> I'm very coordinated. Oh, shit. <laughs> hey, it looks look like a wrestler. <laughs> I'm a wrestler. <laughs> Can you hear us? Absolutely. I like that Wolfman hat. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You know that you know you know that guy that we always see at the conventions, and he's got that whole monster apparel. Oh yeah, Monster Matt. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, that's it. okay. So yeah, he gave me a bunch of stuff. He's pretty cool, dude. I like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a good guy. Um, fellow drummer. Ah, you know what? He, he he feels like a drummer. Yeah, he's built like a drummer. He's he's wiry. Yeah. All those hands. wiry guys, always good drummers like Travis Barker, terrible Tommy Callous Lee. Hands. Tommy Lee, I, I just uh, I was working with Tommy Lee on this show, The Goldbergs. He was pretty interesting guy. 
Oh, I bet. <laughs> That's a, that was very polite. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a statement. I got to tell you, he's my, my all-time favorite drummer. I was a massive Motley Crue fan. I never met him, and I saw him at the Three from Hell premiere about a year ago when that came out. And I'm literally standing right next to him. And just his body language and his mannerisms and everything I've seen and heard about him over the years, I was like, I don't want to meet him. I just don't. I, I got a feeling it's just going to crush me. L much like <laughs> the exact feeling I had and oh, experience I had with John Lydon, a.k.a. Johnny Rotten. I, I knew. There you go. In t -bone. Oh, Oh, look well, at, at least, that. Wow. At least he took a picture with you, which I hear he doesn't do that very often. No, he was he was really cool. Yeah. You look extremely happy in that photo. Yeah, but you know, I think I think <laughs> what you're saying makes sense though, Sean, because I'm sure he's gotten all of it. But mm -hmm. when you're working with somebody and it's, it's that, different, yeah. It's that context, it's so different. Yeah. You know, well, that's if, the I, thing. if I were to approach him, I don't know, at a social function and said, dude, can we take a picture? He'd probably go, you know, no. I just decided not to. I have a feeling at some point with all the people I know that know him, we'll be in the same room in a chill environment and and I'll get a chance to really talk with him. I didn't want it to be crazy premiere room full of people. I didn't want to deal meeting, with it. Meeting anybody, especially celebrities in that environment is always different. Yeah. Because yeah. they got their kind of defenses up. Yeah. Well, mind you, I met John Lydon and it was he and I, no one else around. And he was and still the biggest asshole I've ever met in my life. Oh, really? <laughs> oh my God. And I'm a massive Sex Pistols and PIL He's fan. A super educated guy too, you know? Yeah. I've been friends with, with Steve Jones since, you know, uh, probably I met Steve Jones around 87. Mm-hmm. And we've been good friends ever since. Now he's a sweetheart. Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about oh, Steve. He's the nicest guy, and he's just as demented as we are, which makes <laughs> great humor, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. Biggest celebrity jerk you've ever met. <laughs> Let's hear it. Everybody, if you don't want to say, you don't have to. I, I, John Lydon, Samuel L. Jackson, and Jimmy Page are for me. <laughs> those three, those are my top three. Yeah. Page would be the biggest disappointment if I were to meet him and oh. he nice. Yeah, that would that would kind of break my heart. The other guys you mentioned, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, and it's not even like I'm a hater. Cause I, I like them. You know, they're they're talented and but like I, I wouldn't lose any sleep. But if I met Jimmy Page and and he wasn't nice, it would probably stick with me and it would it would bum me out. Oh, dude, yeah. and the way he did it. He took pleasure in doing it. That was the worst part. I'll give you the quick story. Why not? Throw it out here. I'm at London Film Comic Con, and the promoter he goes, did you see Jimmy Page was here? And I'm all, Jimmy Page? Like Led Zeppelin Jimmy Page? He goes, yeah. He goes, he comes every show. He's a big like poster collector and stuff. And I go, you got to be kidding me. And he goes, none of these kids know who he is. He just walks around. Nobody bothers him. And I'm just like, wow. So I remembered that flash forward to the next year i'm sitting at a booth with vivica fox i'm looking over the sea of people and i'm just sitting at this booth looking out i see jimmy page 
I'm like, holy shit. I see him walking through the crowd. I go, I got to go meet Jimmy Page. So I, I go, you know, cruising up and I'm walking behind him. I go, excuse me, Mr. Page. He just keeps walking. I'm like, excuse me, Mr. Page. He keeps walking. Finally, I tap him on the shoulder and I go, excuse me, Jimmy. He turns around, he looks at me and I go, do you mind if I get a photo with you? Dude, he steps to me like this close to my face and grins and goes, absolutely not. And then turns around and walks away. <laughs> I'm just like, I was like, you got to be shitting me. So then I go back. But you know what? That's kind of cool. You should have kissed him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so, or licked so, his face or something. So I go back and uh, I see the promoter and I'm like, dude, I go, uh, I just met Jimmy Page before I could say anything goes complete bastard, isn't he? <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he goes miserable prick. <laughs> I'm like, you didn't tell me that part. I was expecting more of a diss, but that's kind of fun though. Absolutely yeah. not. Oh, dude, right <laughs> in my face, man. Oh, that was brutal. Anyway. That's you just go, nice to meet you. <laughs> Is it, have any of you guys had a soul-crushing moment like that with somebody you admire? I, I have countless, countless, countless soul-crushing moments. Doing what I do for a living, yeah. being a makeup artist, I meet a lot of people and, and, and a lot of the stuff. I have I can't go on record, really, of... of uh, is, there anyone, <laughs> is there anyone you could say, maybe somebody who's no longer with us or something, that just a moment that it bummed you out? You don't have to say they're a dick. You just, you know, something that just disappointed you. Or I got a couple too. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, let Robert go. Yeah. <laughs> I met a lot of fantastic icons because huh. I used to go to work with my dad at Universal Studios in the 70s. Hmm. And I used to get really lucky and meet some really fantastic Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Jack Lemmon. Oh, you know, that's amazing. Like, like people like that you remember for a lifetime. Yeah. Milton Burrow. I mean, the list goes on of people that I got to meet as a young boy and everybody liked my dad. So it was always easy for him to go, Oh, this is because they would say, Oh, who's the kid? You know, this is my son. And they were always super sweet. Cause I was a little kid, you know, it's hard to be a dick to a kid unless you're Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Frank Sinatra was not a nice guy to me. And it was the antithesis because Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. were so nice to me. Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you a good story first. When I was right around nine or 10, I was with my dad at work and I'm hanging out with Scotty in the guard gate and this white Rolls Royce pulls up and it's Sammy Davis Jr. And, uh, you know, he gives him a nod and he says, hey, who's the kid, man? You know, and, uh, <laughs> and he goes, oh, this is Dick Rustler's kid. This is Robert. He got this idea you could tell. He goes, you want to see something cool? And I was like, absolutely. And he pulled his car up. He got out, went into his trunk and put on this uh, gun belt with a six shooter on the side. It was like, a, like he stole it out of Liberace's closet, right? Jeweled <laughs> and this, you know, <coughs> I, ivory, ivory handle and nickel. And it was beautiful, Colt 45. And let me tell you, when I, when I tell you he was talented at quick draw and he did this like two or three minute routine that blew my mind. By the time he finished, there was probably a crowd of about 20 people. Wow. And, and, he, and he did his final little, you know, like his 
spin and he threw it up and he caught it and then he put it in his holster and everybody clapped and he tussled my hair and he said, see you around kid. Right. Oh, that's and amazing. Like, and everybody looked at me like, Oh man, you know, that was Sammy Davis. I mean, icon, right? Right. Dude, he's hands so down the most this. talented of the rap pack. Oh, I mean, he was, he was a singer, dancer, Dude, comedian, drummer. Actor. At that time, were you like, oh, my God, it is Sammy Davis. You know, I want to get into that for a second, too, because, for instance, some of my kids' friends, they come here, and they don't know who John Wayne is. They got a little poster of him in the back. Mm-hmm. And, and there's other examples of, you know, they, ne- they never heard of Marlon Brando, etc. Hey, man, when I was a kid, I knew Chaplin, Howard Lloyd, Victor Mature, like, I, Sammy Davis. When I was a kid, I was very aware of who those people were. Mm-hmm. But I also think that the times were different then, and the movies and television had a much bigger impact on kids like me than kids today. They, they're so into their phones and social media that I don't think they're as cultured, and they don't get to have the same kind of experiences of really being impacted by people like the Rat Pack or those comedians that I had mentioned or, you know, the greatest actor ever, you know, Marlon Brando. The fact that they don't even know who he is, that's what surprises me because you should be hip on those kind of things, I think, right? Yeah, I think, don't you think that's because now it's so overly saturated with so much content and everybody's a celebrity all the way down to YouTube influencers or celebrities now. So there's less of a idea of what is quality, who's for real, who's legit. Whereas back then, it wasn't so overly saturated. Your, your, your media and your content came from very few sources. So it was all very hyper-focused on these people that were the best in their craft. There were some people that were famous that weren't as talented as others, if you will. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, these days, some of the people that are famous that they follow, for instance, on social media, I don't want to name names, but what talent do they have? I mean, mm-hmm. what, how, what's, where's the entertainment value? You know, where's, even any kind of depth, even if you can't sing or dance or act or any of those things, like where's the meaningful kind of uh, relationship or what are they exuding? You know, what are they, what are they sharing with the world? There's no value in it. Let's just say that, you know, when you're into that kind of stuff, whether it be movies or music or stuff, if you're into it, you know, your history, you learn your history, you learn where the stuff you like comes from because it all comes from something, you know, and you look back, and you study all the greats, and you learn your history, hence you know who this guy, hence you know who Sammy did, hence you know who Lon Chaney is, and you know your history if you're into something or you love something, whereas now nobody knows any history. They don't look back on who influenced who and where stuff comes from and the whole family tree of art and family tree of influence, if that makes any sense. What you just mentioned is so true. Like my kids would have to actually study those things like you were just saying. And the reason why I felt so lucky as a boy is I sort of just grew up with it. And it's kind of like when I'm creative, uh, I'm on the set and we're talking ideas and I'm working with a young director you know, he studied a lot of those things in film school, which is valuable. But mm-hmm. I, I always feel like there's that stuff that he's studied has been ingrained in me. And I, I never really had to, you know, study who those people were because they were such a part of my life growing up that I feel akin to them. 
you know, like Lon Chaney or Christopher Lee, you know, if we mm-hmm. get in, especially if we get specifically into the horror genre, which is my shit. I mean, I grew up going to the movies with my grandfather and I grew up on some of the best movies ever made. And that was a great time to be sort of introduced to horror. You know, the town that dreaded sundown and, you know, Rosemary's baby and all these movies that I grew up watching probably way too young, according to my mother, but it's really an advantage for me growing up with that kind of entertainment, which became a part of me. And now that I get to do that for a living, it makes it even so much more special for me. You know, I think the problem today with kids is that they just have so much being thrown at them. I mean, back in the day when we came up, we had 13 channels, you know, we didn't have to focus on a thousand different things, you know, and that's why I think they have such a short attention span these days, you know, that they gravitate to YouTube clips and TikTok and all this crap. But back in the day, it was like three networks, 13 channels, you know, I mean, when cable happened, I was overwhelmed. I can't even imagine what it'd be like to be a kid now, you know. Plus, you know, they used to have those shows and run a lot of those great movies then. Speaking of network, when they used to show Creature Features and they, and I, I used to watch um, Seymour. You guys remember Seymour? Yeah. Uh, Pre-Elvira, it was Seymour. <laughs> and he would always come up and, and, and I just loved him. You know, uh, we would watch Dark Shadows. And then uh, I, I used to love Dark Shadow. I didn't. Re- I never knew it was a soap opera growing up. And then yeah. and then, uh, and then uh, Seymour would come on a little later in the day, and uh, and they would always show like the old horror movies, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, Mummy, mm-hmm. Invisible Man, all the great creatures of the Black Lagoon that I that I grew up watching. And that's what opened me up to you know really kind of digging on uh, the 70s horror movies that were coming out that were not so much scary to me as they were kind of exciting and entertaining. Yeah. In other words, for my age, you know, m- most kids my age, if they watched some of the movies I watched growing up, they'd have nightmares, but I, I just didn't because I think it came incrementally enough where it didn't freak me out. Right. I never saw Seymour. I mean, I know about him because he was before Elvira and he even used to host uh, the thing at Knott's Berry Farm, at Scary Farm, he, uh, before her. So I know the history of him, but I, I caught on the when Elvira was doing her thing back in the day. So Yeah, I even, I even got to meet Seymour one time and he was tall. <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember saying to my grandfather, I couldn't believe how tall Seymour was. He He was like, larger than life anyway and then when i got to meet him and he was a giant it was like it was pretty cool you know it's crazy for me growing up on elvira here i am a little kid watching elvira and i would go to not scary farm every year and go to her show that she'd do at the good time theater and now i'm friends with her two or three years ago i think it's two years ago she did her final performance at not scary farm and i took nay and we went and we went backstage and we're hanging out with her. And I was like, this is so fucking surreal. I'm hanging out with Elvira backstage. I used to wait for three hours to get in here to see her. You know, mm-hmm. it's so bizarre. You know? That's pretty cool. But, but cool. Yeah. She's Cassandra's I, I, so nice. She's so cool. I have, I have met her a couple of <laughs> times actually at conventions, you know, through mm-hmm. Sean. 
Mm-hmm. Nicest girl, just so mm-hmm. sweet, so nice. I like those stories about people that you do meet that uh, have an influence in some way, shape, or form in your life, and and they and they turn out to be amazing. Like George Romero was that for me. I grew up having been born in Pittsburgh, and it was you know George Romero, George Romero, Night Living Dead, Don Fed, you know George Romero. When I moved out to L.A. and ended up working on two, three of his films with him and meeting him and how I was just so relieved and impressed. And he's such a sweet man and such a nice guy and one of us and Soko still hard, you know, he's still Pittsburgh, you know, he's still Chitam, you know, and just a sweetheart and so down to earth and so damn cool. And those are great stories where you meet icons of yours or people that influence you and they're, and they're great. Robert, it must be so cool for you. Like, having been a horror fan or just a film fan in general to become an iconic actor and be in some iconic horror films that's got to be a kind of a treat for you yeah sometimes or no is it kind of a double-edged sword what do you think i pinch myself sometimes you know when i'm working on something cool like that you know i am very proud of the work that i've done and i'm very proud of who i am and how i grew up and you know, my grandfather, he'd be just in, he's, he probably is in seventh heaven. You know, he passed when I was pretty young. He passed when I was 14. So he never got a chance to see me, you know, work in the movies. But that was our thing. You know, some kids have a thing with their dads in baseball or whatever it is. And my thing with my grandfather was the movies, you know. And like you said, our favorite was the horror movies and we loved Peter Cushion and Vincent Price and we, we were just big fans and, and, but he turned me on to a lot of other great films as well, you know, and, and great actors. And like you were saying, Sean, you know, a lot of that came from those uh, matinee movies on TV. In those days, they were the old movies. Uh, a lot of movies, black and white, and I really got to learn and get educated and be schooled and entertained in a way that became, like I said, very useful for me as an actor later, because I, I never had to emulate or, and or copy something that I actually studied to copy. I just grew up with that kind of Sergio Leone, Alfred mm-hmm. Hitchcock, you know, you know, Sam Peckinpah. I mean, the list goes on forever. Uh, of those movies that really impacted me and changed my perception of the world. And it's, it's important, I think, to have that in all kinds of culture and art, you know, painting and music and film and great reading. You know, first of all, when I got to do A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, I was so stoked because I had seen the first one and I was a fan. Now, I, I had read for A Nightmare on Elm Street, and that's where I met Charlie Sheen. I met Charlie Sheen on the audition for A Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one. And we kind of came out and we're joking, like we didn't really even get a chance to read because I believe that they already knew who they were gonna cast by the time we got around to, into our audition. Johnny and Ju Garcia from acting class. And so they couldn't happen to two nicer guys, right? They were, we kind of knew that they were gonna get cast and when we found out, that's who they got. Sometimes as an actor and you audition and you find out who they cast, you go, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> Why? Idiots. And right. sometimes they cast somebody and you go, oh, well, of course they got Johnny Depp. That dude's cooler than shit, right? I love Johnny Depp before 
he did any movies, I met that kid and I knew that he was destined for greatness. I didn't know he was going to turn out to be the huge star that he is, Who, whoever knows. But, he, yeah. he, you know, he's like when I first met Robert Downey Jr., like there's something about them. They have that X factor. For some reason, the very first hour that I met Downey Jr., he was my mentor. It just happened like that. You know, it was just a, a natural progression where mm -hmm. instead of being an equal or lesser or more than, it's just, it's not about that. It's just about, I, ha I can learn a lot from this dude, you know, uh, he's, he's right. interesting and he's experienced and he's, you know, a Renaissance man. I never met anybody like Downey before that day that I met him. I never met anybody like that. And mm -hmm. I met a lot of cool people, including those stars that what we were talking about earlier. Robert had that when I met him on the audition for Weird Science. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so when I did Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and I had seen, I had got to see the first one, and I got to see just how dope Freddy Krueger was. By the time that audition came back around, the funny thing is, getting back to Downey, the, the audition for Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was on the last day of shooting of Weird Science. We had gone back to do some reshoots or some, uh, not reshoots, we did some pickup shots. The whole beginning gym scene when we pants Michael and Alon, that was all added after. Oh, so we wow. Went, we went back and we shot that. And then I don't know, I was in some bumfuck part of LA and, uh, and I said to Downey, I got an audition for this movie Nightmare 2. And he was like, dude, I'll give you a ride. And I was studying... <laughs> the whole time for my audition while he was driving me to my audition because I didn't have a car and he dropped me off. I went in there and before I closed the door and he, and he rolled down the window and he said, Hey, don't ever let anything get in the way of your work, including you. And he peeled out. Hey, let's talk about vamp a little bit. We haven't got touched on vamp. So how did that come about for you? Um, I got a, I God, I love vamp. <laughs> but I love I love making that movie. I got a call from my manager to go to an audition uh, in the Valley, and it was for this movie Vamp. Grace Jones hadn't been cast yet, but Chris Makepeace was cast, and uh, Richard Wank had seen my performance in A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and really wanted me to play this role, AJ but wanted to audition me and, and my manager and I just had this conversation and she didn't want me to audition. She just wanted them to give me an offer. And I said, listen, why don't we just do this? Why don't I just go there and why don't I rap with the director? And if he wants me to audition, I will. And if I get the feeling of not doing it, I won't, but let's just play it by ear. I show up and the address seems familiar to me. I can't really place the address. I'm looking at it because everything is written down. We don't have cell phones back then, kids. And, uh, and there's no GPS. You got to go into the Thomas Guide. So Thomas I, Brothers. I, I love the it, Thomas Guide. I, I make it to this audition and I realize that the office for Vamp is in my old apartment when I was a boy growing up in the Valley. Wow. And it, was, it was weird. So I, I go up there and I walk into my old apartment and it was actually your apartment, it's my, not the building, the actual apartment. The actual apartment that I grew Holy up in. Holy shit. A, I lived there for about a year and a half. It was above this silk screening place. In fact, it was kind of embarrassing when I brought friends over from the outside. But once you got into the inside, this place was sick. 
We had a full court Nerf basketball set up in there. Like you could roller skate in this place. That's how big what, it was, right? What part of town was this? Like this streets in, or what? Studio City. Studio City, okay. Studio City. So make a long story short, I sit down with Richard Wank, the director. I said, you know, I got to tell you, you know, the funny thing is I'm actually, your, your desk is where my bed used to be when I, and, and it's true. Like his desk was where my bed was uh, when I was a boy. And it was just wow. really weird. So it, it, it started like that. And we started rapping and it took about 15 minutes and I got cast as AJ in band. They were originally going to get uh, Bianca Jagger to play Katrina. Hmm. And for some reason that didn't work. And they said, what do you think about Grace Jones? And I said, she's amazing. She's awesome. That's how kind of vamp came about was I, I met with Richard and we just like hit it off and we share the same kind of sense of humor. And um, we started shooting vamp. It was a trippy time, man, because Grace had brought in all these really fantastic artists designers, hair people, like super avant-garde New York artists. Andy Warhol came to set. Like it was like that. It was wow. it was it was really wild for me. Wow. Uh, shooting Vamp and meeting Grace. We became such friends that there was actually a rumor on set that we were sleeping together and that Dolph Lundgren <laughs> was looking for me to kick my ass, right? <laughs> now she was with Dolph Lundgren at the time? Was and when I was okay. 20 or 21, however old I was, 21 when I shot Vamp. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was just about willing to fight anybody. I was, I, I, I could throw, bro. And I was fucking like, <laughs> I'll fuck up anybody. But you were going to throw down with Dolph Lundgren? <laughs> no. There was the exception. There was a couple guys that I wouldn't want to tangle with, and Dolph Lundgren was one of them. And I yeah. couldn't wait to meet the guy and go, your girlfriend i swear to god she's just a friend and we're doing massive amounts of drugs together but we're not having sex right. oh my god that's amazing i, I you, could you have did massive amounts of drugs <laughs> we i had a blast making vamp literally and figuratively i had a blast making vamp and um you know guys i came across some old polaroids Ooh. Uh, for you younger generation Polaroids where pictures that you take and then it pops out the bottom right when you snap the shot. Instant pictures. Um, here's a shot of me and Grace when we were shooting the bite scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah right look at there. that. There you go. There you go. You got to get that lighting on there, right? And here's a picture of me when I got killed by the Formica nice. steak. Oh, nice. Sure. And oh, my, then, everyone needs a Formica steak. This is one of the reasons why Dolph wanted to kick my ass. Oh, there you <laughs> go. That's a great photo. By the way, <laughs> Dolph, if you're listening, I never had sex with her. And yes, you could have and still can kick my ass. <laughs> this is uh, me and the guys when, when we were going to, from the fraternity, when we right. got there to go get the strippers. And then one more shot of me. with wow. the, These are great. Wow, yeah, what a you, great set of photos. Greg Canham did the uh, makeup. Yes, on yes, that. of course. Yeah. And um, that was another great thing about working with uh, uh, on VAMP with Donald Borchers and, and, and Richard Wink is not only were we working with these great people that Grace had brought in, but we were also, you know, I worked with the greatest stuntman that ever lived, who was the coordinator, was, was uh, Dar Robinson. 
Yeah. Stunt coordinator on Vamp and Buddy Joe Hooker. Yeah. Uh, also one of the greatest stuntmen that ever lived was mm -hmm. also on Vamp. And um, I'll tell you a funny story. First day of shooting, we uh, are downtown and we're doing the scene when we do the spin out in the Cadillac, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and one minute we're, you know, looking for the, for the uh, strip club and the next minute, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. That scene, if you guys have seen the movie. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I'm, I'm staying there. I got into hair and makeup. I'm getting ready to work. And the Cadillac rolls up and it's Dar Robinson driving. And I, I don't know who he is at this point. Nobody told me that it was the greatest stuntman that ever lived. And he did all the Burt Reynolds movies and, you know, uh, Cannonball Run and, you know, White Lightning. You know, the list goes on of, yeah. of this guy's, you know, um, uh, great success as a stuntman in Hollywood and uh, he's he, he's dressed in my same wardrobe he's my double for this <laughs> stunt and I, I he goes how you doing and I go good man good morning how you doing he's like good he's like uh, what's up I go I'm ready to work he goes you want to go for a little ride I go sure and he goes hop in uh, he gets on the walkie and uh, he's like all clear cops are all blocking off the streets. Cops go, oh, clear, Mr. Robinson. Go ahead and take a test run. He goes, you might want to buckle up, kid. <laughs> Who is this guy? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I put my seatbelt on, and this dude took me on a Mr. Toad ride <laughs> that I literally was touching cotton by the time he fucking pulled the spin out. Wow. I was shitty. I mean, fucking jamming through the streets of downtown full speed spin out fucking Tokyo drifting dude. It was fucking nuts. I was like, slow down. He's just <laughs> laughing and he finally comes to this stop and I just jump out and I'm like, fucking motherfucker. Like, what did I get myself into, right? And I say to buddy Joe Hooker, it's right out of a movie. I go, fucking who is that guy? Like right out of, uh, from Paul Newman and Robert Redford, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. Who are these guys? Yeah. I go, who is this guy? And and Buddy Joe goes, kid, that's the greatest stunt man that ever lived. Nice. <laughs> nice. And we went on to become friends, man. Like oh, that's I made amazing. friends on that movie. I'm still friends with with um Dee Dee Pfeiffer. I'm still friends with Grace Jones. Yeah. I'm still friends with Richard Wank. I haven't seen nor hide nor hair of Chris Makepeace. I miss that guy. Yeah, I nobody has. Out of the he's, my, he's my white whale, man. Yeah. I loved him in My Bodyguard. I loved My Bodyguard. With, he was great in Vamp. And I'm still buddies with Getty Watanabe. I love Long Duck Dong. <laughs> always love the Long Duck Can we put a gong in after he just said that? Can yeah. we just put a gong That's going to be the quote on this episode. Duck. Robert Lussler loves Long Duck Dong. How racist that shit from 16 Candles, by the way. Oh, my God. That's like one of the most racist, inappropriate movies ever. I was yeah, watching that yeah. shit anymore, man. No, you can't do that shit. And it's funny shit, man. We don't want to get into a whole uh, discussion about how the world needs to have a sense of humor. But that's yeah, right. absolutely. And Billy Drago just passed not too long ago. Oh, yeah, did he? Rest in peace, yeah. Billy. What a great guy. Man, I oh. love Billy. Uh, we worked together. I, I shot a, uh, a short to try to direct a, a horror movie that I had written. And I used Billy in the short. And uh, 
Is that Black Asylum? Over the years. Pardon? Black Asylum? Black, Black Asylum. Asylum. Yeah, That's right. Black Asylum. It's rewritten. It's coming back together. Dominion. Watch out for it, folks. It's my Let's direct do it. debut. Let's do it. To be honest with you, now that I'm going down memory lane, I made friends on Weird Science at our lasting a lifetime, my first movie. My second movie was Nightmare 2. Um, my third movie was Thrashing. I, I made friends that last a lifetime. Thrashing, then Vamp. So I had a good little run right there of some yeah. four in a row of some iconic classic. movies. Some, yeah, classic. Yeah, some, some classics there. I was super proud of those movies, you know, still am to this day. And you got to do Sometimes They Come Back with Tom McLaughlin. Yeah, that's a classic. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love that movie. I, and by the way, Michael Murphy produced Nightmare 2 and also produced Sometimes They Come Back. That's how I got into the audition to meet Tom for Sometimes They Come Back and then wound up getting cast as uh, Lawson. Mm. Tom's a great guy. Great guy. Real, still great to this day. Too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A very underrated director, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. If you, if you guys go back and watch the original, sometimes they come back. I just want you to notice how beautifully shot that movie was beautifully shot. Yeah. Gorgeous movie. Yeah, it really was. Mm. Yeah. And you that guys shot awesome. that in like outside Kansas city or something. Was it? Like we were in Kansas city, Kansas and Kansas city, Missouri. And uh, another great director now did, um, the camera work on that, his name is Guy B. And we shot uh, most of that movie with Steadicam, which hadn't been done yet. We shot about 75%, I would say, of all the scenes were done on Steadicam with Guy B at the helm. Before it was Steadicam, wasn't it Aeroflex or something? It was a different, there was a different name for it. It was basically Steadicam, but there was a different name. Used it on Halloween. The Panaflex? Panaflex. Never seventy-five percent of a movie. I don't think sure. had been shot with Steadicam and that constant yeah. movement. Because I think Guy had something to do. Guy B had something to do <clears throat> with the technology used that's still used to this day with Steadicam. Right. And he actually shot that movie because he was the only one at the time familiar with the technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, he invented it, so he was going to mm -hmm. shoot it. You know what I mean? I can ask Robert so many things. Like we talk about surfing, we talk about skateboard, we talk about yeah. stuff. You know how what what's going on with the since this whole pandemic? What have you been up to? Yeah, I I, I got so engaged by all of Robert's stories. Oh, dude, I, I could sit forgot. here. I could sit here for hours and listen to him. Uh, hours. So we have a. I'm I'm going to give everybody listening a little treat. Here we go. Okay. I'm going to tell the I'm pooping story, okay? <laughs> oh, dude. I, 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 I know I, this one. I want to tell you guys a little inside Hollywood Babylon about what it was like meeting and working with Robert Downey Jr. on Weird Science, okay? You sound great. Yeah, you do. You say I look great? Well, you, oh, you look great, look too. Great. I said you sound great, but you look great, too. I, I thought you said I look great. Sounding great is not as good as looking great. <laughs>